Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools and data that helps power their emerging markets business strategies. My name is Bhavesh Segal and I am the head of research for FSG's Asia Pacific division. The topic of our podcast today is FSG's recently published report on leadership challenges in China which is constantly ranked as one of the biggest bottlenecks to growth for MNCs in the country. Talent management is generally a big issue in China, but the problem is particularly acute at the C-level and senior level. And we want to discuss some of the challenges MNCs are facing today, and obviously some of the mitigation mechanisms and some of the tactics that companies can adopt to actually overcome this recurring issue. And with me, I have the author of the report, who is also our head of research for China, CJ Chen. CJ, welcome. Thank you, Bhavya. Uh, CJ, so let me let me kick off by asking you. You know, obviously, we have heard about leadership challenges in China very often. It's a recurring issue that keeps on coming up whenever we get into conversation with the regional heads uh, across across Asia. So, what are the biggest pain points that MNCs fundamentally face? So, what are the you know two to three key issues that you know MNCs uh, you know face on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think you know, like you said, talent uh, kind of a challenge is a recurring issue, uh, not uh, uh, not just in China but in, in APAC uh, generally. But I think you know the, the problem in in uh, in China is probably more acute than most other countries. So um, there are a couple of issues we kind of identify in this report, right? So, and some of the uh, challenges, they are, have been there for many, many years, even before the financial crisis. And some of the issues are kind of uh, emerging. So they become uh, more of a pain point for multinational companies just in the last two or three years. So there are really four pain points we highlight in this report. The first two are wage inflation and high attrition. So these things have persisted for a long time. Uh, and the other two, local competition uh, and the transition to a more profitable growth model, these are the more recent challenges multinational companies are facing when they think about their talent issue in China. Uh, and uh, we have covered all four in depth in this uh, uh, report just uh, just uh, published. Sure. And and can you zoom in a little bit more, CJ, on you know some of the issues like wage inflation or high attrition per se, you know, at the sea level, please? Yeah. So wage inflation, uh, like we all know, has been a uh, issue for multinational companies, not just multinational companies, actually, uh, both multinational and also local companies in China for many years. Uh, and uh, I think the pace of wage growth has actually moderated in the last you know, year or two because of the economic slowdown. But having said that, it's still growing much faster than most uh, other countries' multinational companies are operating today. And it's also very important to remember the wage increase is not equal at all levels. Uh, in China, salary increase typically is actually more significant at senior ranks. So just to give you some statistics, so if, you, if we think about a two-step promotion, uh, a salary increase for two-step promotion at a junior level is about 40%, uh, but a, a two-step promotion at a senior level is going to be at 88%. And for that reason, uh, while an entry-level position in China still costs less than a developed market, but uh, uh, we hear very often from our clients, a senior level position, a senior manager in China is actually costing more uh, than their peers in the US or uh, Europe or other developed markets. 
Uh, so that's one interesting uh, fact about wage inflation. Uh, and, and the other interesting about uh, this is despite a high increase in salaries, attrition remain, remains stubbornly high in China as well. So again, you know, we have you know, plenty of statistics to show attrition rate is uh, in China is higher than any other country, so on and so forth. Um, but again, you know, if we break uh, the attrition uh, by level, uh, um, the attrition level at the senior most level is not the highest, simply because uh, the, le- uh, the number of positions at a very senior level is very limited, and the opportunity cost of switching a, a job at a very senior level is high. So people do not, uh, senior executives actually do not move very easily unless this really good opportunity opens up. But, but the attrition rate is uh, the highest at the middle level on management. Because you know, if you have a couple of years experience with multinational companies, you know, uh, or especially with a good brand name multinational companies, people think you have the skills and experience, and you become very attractive in the talent market. And this is causing a lot of trouble for companies who are trying to build a Thailand pipeline, you know, uh, in their China organization. Because you know, if you can't keep your middle level managers, you don't have a solid, uh, you don't have a solid. Uh, 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 talent pipelines to groom for your future leaders. Sure, uh, that's extremely fascinating, CJ. Uh, j- just help me understand, and you know, this is obviously something that I have my own viewpoint on. Uh, that during my conversation with with more than a dozen clients in Shanghai last week, uh, what I realized was that uh, obviously the attrition at the middle level continues to be a concern, but is the uh, propensity and the likelihood for people to join MNCs versus local companies in China is the trend, you know, tilting more towards local companies, or the trend is still towards uh, multinational companies. Yeah, that's a very interesting question, and uh, uh, this is one other thing we have covered in our report: local competition, right? So we all know that local Chinese companies are becoming more competitive in the product market, right? Competing with multinationals to offer product and services, but they're also becoming uh, much more competitive on the talent market in the last couple of years, especially after the financial crisis, uh, where it is the changing perception uh, uh, in the employment market. So what it used to be, you know, MNCs offer higher salary, uh, job, uh, stable jobs, more prestigious jobs. You know, they teach you a uh, uh, more structured way of uh, uh, doing business, so on and so forth. Uh, but after the financial crisis, local companies are perceived to be offering more stable jobs when the MMCs cut, cut back, you know, on their uh, hiring in China. Uh, and also, uh, um, one of the things we highlighted in the report is if we think about senior executives, a lot of the senior local executives working for multinational companies often face uh, so-called glass ceiling when they reach a certain level, right? And there's a perception that you know by joining a local company, they can overcome that challenge because you know there's a, a higher chance of uh, them moving to a senior level within the company. So whether that's uh, we, we ha- so. That's uh, not necessarily the reality, right? So we have some counter examples in the report of like local uh, local executives actually not really merging well with the culture in the local company. But having said that, I think that perception is driving a lot of uh, local executives seeking opportunity with local companies. On the other hand, local companies are very interested in the seasoned uh, executives with MNC experience because they have expanded so aggressively. Uh, in the last couple of years, then they reach the scale where they feel like uh, uh, the old model, basically one man makes all decision model, is not good, is not working anymore, and they need people 
who to come in to build uh, process procedures to professionalize the company. And uh, the best candidates they can think about are the people who have worked for multinational companies in a more structured environment uh, for their career, right? And that's why they are very eager to pay very high uh, uh, salary, very attractive compensation to attract seasoned Chinese executives to work for them. Uh, you know, another interesting point here that I just want to bring, you know, bring to everybody's attention is that d- during my conversations last week, one piece that came out very clearly was that obviously, uh, you know, when it comes to the perception of the middle management and the larger workforce that any MNC fundamentally has, perception of having an expat who is, you know, possibly the most uh, senior guy in China versus having a local Chinese guy uh, fundamentally differs radically. Because, you know, when it comes to the perception that the middle management or the lower management may have is that anybody who's coming in with an expat experience to China is fundamentally coming in only with a two to three year horizon. Mm. And hence, can I link my career to this particular individual and how far can I really go? Versus a viewpoint that, you know, if I have somebody who is going to be staying in China for the next decade or so, I can possibly grow my career with that individual. What, what I want to bring it up uh, for, 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 you, for our question, uh, for a question for you is that, you know, did your research highlight any of these key points which our executives would be interested in understanding? Yeah, I think there are two things I want to, uh, like, uh, I want to, you know, address uh, for the point you just mentioned. Because one is just a glass ceiling phenomenon we just talked about, right? So for a young junior Chinese uh, graduate joining a company, if I see a senior Chinese person in a senior leadership position, so this person can be a role model, right? So that, uh, you know, I I'm aspire to become someone like him or her in 10, 20 years' time. Right. If you if you see the senior ranks that are all occupied by expatriate managers, so there's always a perception, you know, whether there's a limitation of how much I can grow in organization, right? So and that's why a lot of companies we are talking to, even you know, uh, 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 they are thinking very actively about like a localization of their talents. Even they have uh, uh, senior positions being occupied by expatriates right now. Uh, very often, it's for uh, knowledge and skill transfer and helping. Uh, uh, grooming the local talent, right? And they're hoping to kind of uh, localize their leadership structure in China in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other point I want to mention here is, uh, uh, and I think it's uh, there. There one of the things we highlight in the report is there are pros and cons of using expatriate talent versus local talent, right? I think we're not proposing, you know, like localization is definitely the right way to go. I think it has to depend on what com- what kind of company you are in, what kind of culture you have, and uh, frankly speaking, like uh, your uh, level of your development in China, right? So, do you have a strong local team, uh, local capability, right, to support a very uh, localized uh, uh, kind of organizational structure, including uh, leadership talents? Um, so, so uh, I think for some companies, there are benefits of having expatriate uh, executive who knows. Uh, who has all the connections in the headquarter, who knows the corporate culture uh, better than the local employees, who can have uh, a much more effective communication with the, uh, with the co- corporate headquarters or even the regional uh, offices, right? So they can serve as a more effective bridge uh, uh, between the local organization and the global. And so I think there, there are benefits in both ways. Yeah, and, uh, and honestly, the, the only add-on benefit that I would add is 
the sensitivity to the global culture of an mnc i think you know that that's one of the key benefits that i foresee uh, when it when we talk about having an expat lead uh, the china organization because the the linkage is just just so important um, okay so 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 that that's a fair point cj so you know we we also talk about uh, moving to a more profitable growth model and you know for for moving to that particular model what exactly does that entail uh in terms of what sort of implications does that have for china leadership yeah that's actually a, a trend like we heard a lot like in the last uh, 12 18 months also i think you know the the backdrop of this a pain point is a lot of multinational companies are experiencing a transition right from pre revenue growth to a more balanced uh, uh, growth mandate with a uh, high focus on profitability right so the golden days of you know uh, high revenue uh, high high uh, revenue growth you know like a china team can always get the results they want i just put the money on i can grow the revenue i can expand market share those days are gone Right, so every, the market has slowed down, and everybody is focused on productivity, efficiency, uh, 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 topics like that. Right, and a lot of the China managers, multinational, have uh, on the ground. You know, they have only experienced uh, fast growth in their career. Right, and to transform to this new uh, reality, you require very different uh, business uh, uh, skill sets. Uh, so, uh, so companies are thinking about you know how to increase sales force effectiveness. How to do lean manufacturing? You know, if you operate a factory in China, and how to build efficient distribution models, so on and so forth. So this requires a very different set of skills from your managers uh, on the ground, which they may or may not have. We have seen, uh, you know, companies being successful grooming and their on the ground managers to to equip them with those new skills, but there are also companies that are struggling, uh, you know, to kind of bridge that gap. Sure. uh that that's another interesting comment made cj but help me understand most of the problems that we have been talking about are either they are pretty systematic uh and they have been they they have been around for some time so what do you think multinationals uh have not done essentially to resolve them so far because most of these issues have been around for the last 6 to 8 years so so what are the root causes of these issues yeah i i, I think you know uh The reasons why, like uh, these issues, cannot be uh, resolved, even they have been there for like uh, a long time, is because they're really difficult to resolve. And to be honest, I'm not sure if there is this. Uh, I think a lot of the issues here are systematic. I'm not sure if there is a way to kind of entirely eradicate the problem. I think you know what multinational companies can do is to mitigate the issue, uh, not necessarily uh, completely uh, resolve it. because uh, if we if we think about the root causes of the talent challenge in China right i think there are really two uh, issues and we nail that down to basically the talent shortage and the capability gap and one leads to uh, leads to the other right so if we think about uh, uh this issue more deeply right uh, uh starting from talent challenge right so first of all the senior uh, uh leadership candidate for multinationals the pool of that talent is very small Uh, and demand always outstrips supply at this senior level uh, on the talent market. So as a result, so companies have to promote uh, their Chinese managers relatively fast to fill in these leadership positions, to, just to ensure you know uh, to support business expansion. And uh, and uh, although this is the probably the right strategy to take during the fast expansion phase, uh, uh, there are hidden problems with this approach. 
because of this, you know, like uh, taking risk in fast promotion, uh, a lot of Chinese executives uh, at a country level, uh, they're typically 10 years younger uh, than the American or European counterparts. So they are less experienced, uh, even they hold the same title and responsibility. So when a corporate looks at their China management and benchmark that against developed market, uh, they often have a perception that, you know, there's an underdeveloped capability on the ground in local leadership in China. And therefore, the corporate has to play a more hands-on role in decision making. While the, the intention of the corporate is good, you know, uh, try to help to fill the capability gap, the side effect of that approach is you are not really giving the local team uh, or, lo lo or the local leadership team the opportunity to make big strategic decisions, right, or to operate at a higher level. Sometimes I feel like you need to fail to learn, right? And I think uh, a lot of multinational companies are. Uh, too cautious or too risk averse uh, to uh, you know uh, give uh, the talent they have or opportunity to develop the necessary leadership skills they have. Sure. Uh, so help me understand, CJ. Obviously, we we have given quite a few case studies uh, in the overall report for our for our regional heads and the country heads to go through. But for if we do a deeper dive on some of the most successful companies operating in China. Uh, can you list down a few thumb rules that they would have followed in order to ensure that they have the right leadership in terms of whether it's stability, whether it's terms of growth, whether it's connection to the clients, whether it's connection with their own team members? You know, what are some of the best things, you know, that successful MNCs would have done in China to coach, groom, maintain uh, talent? Yeah, I mean, we have eight case studies laid out in this report, you know, like a uh, looking at how to resolve the two root causes uh, I just mentioned, talent shortage and capability gap, right? And I think there are, uh, if I want to summarize them into like just a few key takeaways, I'll probably say two things. One is to right, really have the right uh, 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 background in your leadership, right? So like I said earlier, it does not necessarily mean 100% localize the team, it does not necessarily mean 100% expatriate team. So you have to understand different profiles, bring different things to the table, right? And the most effective leadership team we have seen are usually a combination of people uh, of different backgrounds, right? If you can leverage their skills, uh, you know, their experiences effectively, then you can have a very solid on the ground team. And the other thing I will highlight is when people think about the leadership talents they have in China. And there's there's a very high tendency uh, for multinational companies to overvalue English skills, right? So you see a lot of the local talents being promoted simply because of the language skill, not necessarily because of the management and the leadership skill. So one example I can give, uh, so through the interview and conversation with uh, our executives, is when he tried to promote a local leader Right. So what he does is not just by communicating, talking to that person and, uh, you know, during the 360 uh, degree evaluation, the typical thing most companies will do. So he will go into the office and just observe how that person interact with his peers, not just like uh, his supervisors who are uh, in many cases are, 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 are expatriate. He wants to understand whether this person, you know, has... Uh, the ability to motivate other people and to do other people in the office look up to him or her before he makes that decision, right? So sometimes observation uh, uh, is key. Even you do not understand the local language, but just looking at the body language, how to interact with each other is very telling. Can tell you how much leadership potential this person has. 
extremely fascinating CJ so you know it it might be worthwhile to give a perspective to our to our listeners on what exactly can FSG help uh, in terms of how can FSG help them in order to address and resolve some of these issues yeah I think you know uh, there are a couple of things we can do. So first of all, FSG have the talent management diagnostic tool. So this is a, a fairly simple and straightforward web-based survey. Uh, so we can obviously uh, uh, run that for you if there's interest. And based on that, you know we can uh, based on the diagnostic results, we can see what are the kind of area of strengths and also the area for, uh, for re- improvement for uh, organization. And based on that, we can link that to the specific case studies we have developed uh, previously in the global uh, talent uh, management research we have done, but also uh, the, this uh, uh, most recent China piece. So we can kind of uh, 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 build a more customized uh, uh, presentation or strategy for you based on your results. Sure. Uh, so overall, CJ, you know, appreciate your thoughts on, 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 on this today. But since I have you with me, uh, you know, do you want to share a couple of key highlights of what all pieces should clients be expecting from you in the second half? You know, can you briefly touch on that in, in the next minute or so, please? Yeah, we have a really robust uh, uh, research agenda in Q2. I think we're going to cover a pretty wide range of topics like the geographic uh, model in China, sales force effectiveness and distribution, um, you know, even post-merging integration, so on and so forth. But I just want to uh, spend 30 seconds quickly highlight on two like two uh, uh, upcoming pieces right the first one is going to be a geographic model so I know a lot of companies uh, have been in China for a long time they already reached the 800 even a thousand cities in China so so this piece is not just about market expansion but really about market op- optimization right so we will have two tools uh, helping companies if you are already have a sufficient coverage you want to optimize so we can tell you how to run a gap analysis to un- uh, to uncover you know like uh, uh, unspotted potentials in your markets before if you are relatively new uh, in China you're still thinking about going beyond the tier one and two cities going to inland you know we also have a, a portfolio management process where we can help you to prioritize provinces and cities so that's for the geographic model piece and for salesforce effectiveness piece so again this is something we heard heard many many times from clients for this year right so it all ties up to the kind of a uh, drive to profitability efficiency I was talking about earlier. So everybody is just thinking about how can I improve, you know, like a, a revenue per sales rep by 50%, right? So this is something we're going to look into and hopefully we'll have uh, some best practices to share in the next month or two. Excellent. So CJ, before I before I hang up, uh, I definitely want to thank you for the great insights that you have shared with uh, our listeners today. Thank you, Bavia. Uh, And to all our listeners, I just want to mention that CJ is available for one-on-one conversations with all of you. Just feel free to reach out to your account manager if you are interested in scheduling a meeting. And be sure to download our full research report from the FSG Research Portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast for today. Thanks for listening in.